Hello all, so um, part two of my chat with Dave, sure. Um, uh, this uh, section, uh, we, uh, we engage our conversation around AI um, that I cut off in the previous episode. Um, and we, so we talk about AI, uh, we talk about privacy in terms of uh, initially AI, but, but certainly subsequently in terms of uh, our individual societal um, uh, awareness of what privacy actually may mean and how that could get um, used or abused by government and big business. Uh, we look at uh, the buzzword of the moment, pivoting, um, and we kind of had a had a discussion on what potentially history could tell us in terms of in terms of what the future could could look like. Not that any of us know with any great level of detail, because otherwise, if we were that good at good at looking into the future, we would have seen this um, we would have seen this coming. And we might listen to Obama and Bill Gates, um, who did see it coming a few years ago. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this 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 episode. It's another little chunk of about thirty minutes, um, and I'll I'll come back to you at the end with a uh, quick summary and, and some bit of info on what other stuff I'm doing and, and what other stuff's coming up soon. Okay, hope you enjoy it. Cool. So we were talking um, about uh, before before I kind of I'll cut it off. Um, we were talking about. Um, AI and the kind of impact on AI and how AI, uh, the impact of AI on the way humans interact with with, with technology and potentially market the marketers, the marketing industry going forward with with you know how are how are we going to know who we're marketing to? Are we marketing to a human or are we marketing to an AI that that is supporting that human? But around a big aspect of AI, as I was mentioning, is the privacy angle of it. If we have a personalised AI, Dave, that AI will have access to quite a lot more personal information than we than we might previously have been willing to share. And and taking that forward into where we find ourselves with the virus, I think most of us, again, would like to think that we would be very open to providing the government with access to our location data as we as we manoeuvre around the country or not so far around the country when within two kilometres of our house or whatever, um, to show that we're adhering to their guidelines. But do you think that's going to change once this is over, do you think that's going to change our our relationship with privacy? Is that going to mean we're much more open to 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 the government and therefore big big data businesses having more access to our to our, our, our data, our private data? And and we've spoken quite a lot, Dave, about privacy and personalization. How how do you see that that relationship changing and, and, and how do you think marketing professionals and digital marketeers Will will react to react to that, or will they encourage that that more open more open approach? What do you think? Well, in in all honesty, I think this is uh, obviously I've done so much work over the last sort of two two and a half years now on the whole GDPR front, and so uh, and it's a, it's a really fascinating. Um, point in time where we're at when it comes to privacy um, from a business perspective obviously everyone heard about GDPR done some bits and pieces but in all honesty most companies have just have not done nearly enough in order to be compliant but let's get back to your particular question around uh, personal data and how this current pandemic is going to sort of affect that because you're right people I think will be quite comfortable and expect the government right now if they wanted to track every single individual um, they would expect them to do that and they can and they wouldn't actually wouldn't need consent wouldn't need our permission 
um, there's other lawful basis of process and that enable them to do exactly that if it's within, you know, that becomes under public task, public interest. So they could do that. The truth is when it comes to, um, when it comes to privacy, Dave, is that um, 99% of people don't care. Uh, and let me explain what I mean by that is the majority of people understand that their data um, is being used. They understand that uh, companies have a responsibility and should look after it. Um, but the way the whole thing is um, has been designed, the whole the way the whole thing has been implemented, um, I just don't believe that most people care. You see people when they're signing up for, whether it's apps to download, whether it's services online, whether it's social media accounts, they haven't got the time and the energy to, um, number one, to, to look through terms and conditions. And nobody does. And they, and they simply won't. They, you know, the, the whole, that part of the process is an annoyance. And it's because it's the way it's communicated um, that they haven't got the time and energy or the inclination to care about it. And the other side of it is they get a good feeling. They know that adverts following around the internet is not a coincidence. They know it's not the universe telling them to buy the shoes. Um, they understand that it's technology at the back end of it. And I think most people, and I'm talking about sort of the general public here, have a bit of an acceptance that there's a trade-off between some of the tools and services and apps that they use and some of their personal data. Now, the reality of it is, if they genuinely did know what was going on with their data, a lot of the time they wouldn't be <laughs> clicking those terms and conditions, they wouldn't be using the apps, uh, and they certainly wouldn't be using Facebook and uh, and other sorts of uh, platform forms and mobile apps. You know, some of the apps on Android are, ter are quite terrifying about what they get access to and why. Um, but in general, the general public don't care. That's my personal opinion. I just don't think they care enough um, at this moment in time. In terms of the, from the compliance perspective, um, there's a lot of things they should care about. Uh, and in actual fact, 99% of businesses uh, have done nowhere near enough to make sure that they are actually looking after people's personal data. And for me personally, mm. this all comes down to transparency. And the way forward is through transparency. And this comes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this, which is that communication. If people actually took the time to communicate correctly with their, uh, whether it's website users, app users, general customers, whatever it was, if people took the time to communicate correctly, this is why we're collecting this data. This is what you're going to get out of it. Uh, uh, and ultimately, and, and it's almost good old features and benefits. If you actually, if you actually just explained it uh, in a correct way, I think they're, they're could be a lot more personal data being used but for the right reasons and there's obviously with all of these things it's a superpower it can be used for good or it can be used for evil um mm. and the interesting part is which way are people going to go there's always going to be people that are going to use personal data for the wrong reasons uh, and there's a huge risk about that you know and, and and it's a massive part of cyber security as a whole um and there's obviously those that are going to be using it for good and using it for the right thing and it's uh, it can get it actually becomes a whole ethics debate when it comes actually around uh, privacy and what we have to do it and the industry in my in my opinion in terms of digital agencies they're not even entertaining it 99% of them because it directly impacts a lot of their revenue streams because they're utilizing these technologies in order to generate uh, air quote leads and sales you know and so on for their clients so they're ignoring a lot of the uh, information that actually comes around whether it's cookies uh, and the correct cookie policies and actually making sure that every website gives their users the opportunity to 
genuinely opt in out of each individual cookie nobody's doing it you know the technology is there but no one's doing it and no one's going to do it because in actual fact they want the data they want to know what people are doing they want to retarget them they want to use google analytics and they're doing it and on a much wider issue from an ethics perspective um it's now a case of how do we make sure how do we make companies responsible for the data and that's what so the legislation that's been put in place is there for but are they really? Are, are they are too many turning a blind eye to it while it's so new? We're still at the beginning of it. There's still a long way to go. But it's mm. an absolutely key component of the way forward when it comes to uh, privacy and all of this personal data. But is is is, is GDPR not going to end up a little bit like Brexit at the moment, which is pushed to the back um, of people's minds? And although Brexit, you know, is clearly still going to go ahead and whatever. But do you think GDPR is um, has this delayed a real understanding and impact of GDPR by one, two, three, four years, do you think? Uh, in all honesty, it probably will, but it shouldn't have done because we should have been in you know, May twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. We're supposed to have had all of this in place, um, mm. uh, and although it's it's an ongoing process, you're right. It probably will be pushed to the back burner for many people because they just have now. This is a it's almost a good excuse, isn't it? There's no time for that. Um, we haven't mm. got time. In actual fact, it's, it should be the opposite. We do have time to actually looking at that. Um, mm. It's still a risk because GDPR applies whether there's a pandemic or not. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. Uh, in actual fact if someone's you know people are still going to get reported and people are still going to this breaches are still going to take place um yeah. and probably more than ever dave if we think about it now people are now using they're working from home potentially using their own personal devices trying to do work related things there's probably work related you know data sitting more now try you know traversing the internet more than ever you know, sitting on personal devices more than ever um, as a result of people now working, you know, trying to find ways to work from home and so on. Uh, GDPR should have been at the cornerstone of those conversations uh, and won't have been. So there will be more breaches and we'll, they'll all come out, you know, in the next six months or so on. There'll be more problems, more breaches. And um, and ultimately, this should have been put in place a long time ago. So it's an interesting one. In the GDPR one is not so much. That's the one. That's my bread and butter. I do that all day long. And I, and I have my opinions on it, obviously, as a practitioner. But I think more, I'm more interested in that wider debate, that wider conversation around personal data as a whole. Uh, and how do we, how do organizations, how do businesses and corporations, how do we communicate better with people? And could, does it, does, could that create more opportunity if in actual fact people were a little bit more transparent about how they, what data they're collecting or why they would like to collect more data in the future? Would that then open up more opportunity in places like, uh, we know that AI can do amazing things with more data, but it needs that more data in the first place. Yeah. That misunderstanding around people, you know, we closed off the AI conversation quite quickly you know, and the blockchain yeah. technology because even in the digital space, too many people don't understand it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see that quite a lot. Um, yeah, the, the, the reason the reason I'm kind of I do a lot of work around AI is is because of um, a couple of the couple of couple of clients I'm involved in. People Matter as, as one, and um, uh, a couple of other things I'm, I'm doing as well. And and and, and from my AI and philosophical perspective, I'm doing my masters in philosophy, so it's quite interesting to kind of. Kind of broadly understand is philosophy dead if AI comes along you know um uh, is Socrates going to be overtaken by a computer in, in 100 years time I don't I don't know but I think you're right I think there's a lot of I, I've always thought Dave that it's the marketeer's responsibility to make it clear to 
customers um, what data is being collected and why. I, I really believe that. Um, uh, that's been watered down somewhat over the over the recent years, as I've understood what what marketers are there to do and how they're measured. It's always quite difficult. And they're, they're not measured on openness necessarily. They're measured on good old-fashioned conversion rates and click-throughs and engagement, whatever engagement means. Um, but I've always been quite um, robust in, in the fact that we should be much more transparent with customers and humans about what we're collecting and why we're collecting it and, and actually give the individual the the choice around uh, if you if we collect this data from you, we'll be able to do this. If you don't want us to collect the data from you, then we'll be able to do that. It's a very clear and transparent interaction. One thing I've recently done with a, a kind of small individual client of mine, we've we've actually turned cookies off on his website. He sells shoes. We've t- turned cookies off on his website, and we instead of a cookie banner, we've put up a banner that says, "We are not tracking you," and um, conversions, for want of a better phrase, uh, in terms of how much money he's got going into his bank and how many sales he's made, uh, have gone up, I think now it's about 14%. Since it's fascinating. There. And yeah. that's, that, that's, real, that's real content marketing, isn't it? That's real content yeah. marketing when you yeah, stop locking, your, you're, not, you're not putting your content behind a gate anymore. You're not sitting yeah. there, you know, um, because again, that's where it got ruined in that sense. Because again, people misunderstood the, the relationship side of it. What happened is we tried to turn it, we tried to turn content marketing to transactional. So somebody mm. downloaded the ebook, they became a, a lead. Then a salesperson would phone them before they'd even consume the content to try and sell them something. And in actual fact, it, it was totally misguided, you know, totally misread the room the end user is looking to learn that's where they're at at this moment in time and you were there before offering utility they made the transaction as in they made they traded their email address and their phone number and their name over for this piece of content and now they're being pitched um but in actual that that real genuine real content marketing is when you stop doing that you actually just give it away. You just actually let people consume the content, and you try and you 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 do you build those digital relationships, and you build it through your content. You you give all that away, and in actual fact, they'll come to you when they're ready, as opposed to us trying to track down and stalk everyone. And this may be come back to um, is this precious in the boardroom? Is this precious on in actual fact? Marketing has been measured incorrectly because in actual fact, most of the time people want to see stuff that they can predict. They want to see what the sales pipeline is going to look like. Do you, do you, okay, I love our conversations because they always go off in loads of different angles. Whatever we planned at the beginning, we've only, we've only probably touched on a few of those things. Do you honestly think content marketing works? Um, it, it, it's, 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 I tell you what, it, it, it did, and it's an, it, it became another one, like obviously now it's ABM at the moment, um, and it will be something else in another year's time and so on. Yes, yeah, on ABM, sorry to interrupt, ABM, that's no. account-based marketing, right? What, what, yes. What, okay, what does that mean? So account-based marketing is when you actually try and get a little bit more strategic instead of a to the spray and pray. The idea of, of account-based marketing is you actually define not only sort of that target audience, but you get it right down to the exact 
10, 20, 30 individual companies that you believe and you've done your research and believe you could add the most value to. And then you have personalized marketing approach for that individual company. You find the exact individuals and you try and build relationships with them through that value-based approach. But instead of having generic content and generic stuff that's just going wide and far, you actually do marketing campaigns targeted specifically for an individual company. Gotcha. Okay. So I've heard that quite a lot, ABM. I kind of got it. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah. Um, so content marketing, then. So, so it, it did work? It's I, I think it can so do. It's not so much impact, no? yeah. I, tra- I, th- I think, again, it's like what, what most marketers do is we find something that works a little bit and then we ruin it. So I think what they've done in... Um, <laughs> Um, that's the human that's the history of the homo sapiens mate well it is because you know it doesn't matter what the you know we get we get too hung up on tactics and I think that's what we, we you know you know email marketing is still great email marketing can be amazing providing you do it right um, uh, you know and content marketing which obviously email marketing comes under that if you if you can genuinely go out there and try and be a great teacher and genuinely try and answer as many of your prospects questions and answers and add as much value to what they're trying to achieve and you do you produce content because it's helping people out and you do content knowing damn well you're going to lose there were probably never customers, but potential customers, because you're telling them how to do things, because you're adding so much value, um, mm. then I do believe content marketing can work. The problem with it is, is people aren't prepared to be, they haven't got the patience to do content marketing. They haven't got the, uh, because it will pay off in the long run. You know, whether it, it all contrib- it contributes to your SEO work, it contributes to your content marketing stuff, and it's useful in your ABM stuff. In actual fact, content's still really important. Conversations like this, which will then get shared, you know, you know to, a, a small group of people that are going to hopefully value these types of th- our convers- their thought processes, and you know, and they'll have conversations as well. That, you know, sparking those bits of you know the bits of debate. It's about the value add um, as opposed to the pitch. So it's a much longer sales talk. And I think the reason content marketing be- stopped working was because people weren't patient enough to actually produce good quality content um, and wait and actually prepared to let it do its job um, and it's not to say that it even takes a long time good quality content marketing can produce results in a very quick in a very short space of time almost instantly it only takes one person to listen to this podcast and think I like what these guys are saying I like the way they think I need somebody like that in my environment in my organisation that's content marketing working at its best it could be you know, it could be a blog post that happens to be that a prospect is on your site and you happen to be answering the question in such a way that resonates with them you've given them information your competitors couldn't that builds that trust and they decide to, it, it, it can be doesn't have to be long-winded but people just didn't have the patience to keep producing quality content in, in my personal opinion mm. well you say it'd be a small audience so i've kind of forced my wife to what well, forced my wife to listen to this she's fucking <laughs> Fucking hell, she looks. This is this is the good thing about working from home. I'm down one end of the garden, she's at the other. So it's fantastic. We, she said to me last week, we're keeping our distance from each other at the moment. It's like we, I've hardly seen you this week. She said it's been great. So there you go. This was the first week of lockdown. But you, but you're right. I, I, I suppose, I never look at any any kind of rambles I do as marketing. I just do them as. Um, do you know what, if I'm honest, trying to see if my ideas float so I can put them into my studies. That's, that's basically it. Which I suppose is, is, is as good a way as anything because I don't feel that I have to justify the 
expense or the time I'm taking to generate my my thoughts and my my content in inverted commas but but so it's not dead it's it just is a longer it's a longer path to follow to get to get customers on side as opposed to PPC SEO that kind of stuff it's your expectations right so you're producing this because like you say there's a, there's a there's a lot in it for you um, uh, potentially in it for your audience but you've got no expectations to generate leads off the back of this no thank god uh, <laughs> if I did we're all buggered Dave frankly um, so we've talked about we've, we, 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 let's go back from where we are to, to the start so we've talked about privacy and personalisation and content marketing and how and how we might see changes in people's understanding of, of what privacy really means um as an individual and how businesses might be exploiting that at the moment, but how there are still guidelines for them to follow, how that feeds into content marketing. We've looked at the impact of AI. We've looked at how um, the current situation uh, could play into the hands of some businesses if they've got a more strategic angle to marketing. Um, if they're happy sometimes to do to do nothing, that's a strategy on its own. Equally, how how agencies now maybe need to get a little smarter and a little bit more strategic in terms of what they need to do with their own marketing and how they need to present their services to their to their customers. Where do you think this is all going to end, Dave? Where do you think um, when we come out of this situation that we're in, this this and it is it is um, it is probably the biggest change globally um, in terms of the uh, interruption into everyday life. Um, probably since the Second World War, I'd probably, probably say, which is a remarkable thing to say, actually, when you think about it. Where, where do you think we'll be? Where, where will we be as an industry in terms of digital industry? Where will your specific industry be in terms of digital marketing? Where do you think society will be? Let's get, or let's get, you know, people who listen to this are quite, I'd like, they're all quite intelligent people and they all think a little bit deeper than, than, um, than social media likes and clicks. So, so where, where do you think we're going to end up? Where do you think we'll be in, in let's say, Let's say six months, uh, and, and then and then a couple of years time. How, how, how do you think things would be? Things would be looking then. Well, I think it's interesting um, that we're you know we're literally you know living that history now. We know this is something that's going to be you know the, the, in the in the textbooks at schools in sort of you know in, in ten years time and so on. It's, it really is like you say you know uh, uh, a huge event that that is taking place. And I think right now most people are probably just starting to get over the the novelty of being at home. I think that's probably the truth of it. Um, I've seen a, a number of, uh, of people saying about um, how there's going to be a huge amount of divorces at the end of this. And I, I think that's absolutely true. I think in actual fact, we've, we're not used to being put into these confined spaces. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and people, they do, they're having to now spend more time with the same amount of people than they, uh, uh, that they've ever had to in their entire lives. Um, yeah. And you so people are... an excuse there. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, I genuinely think there will. I think people will. The relationships will break up, uh, and probably before the end of it. I, I think it's because we're not. This is this has been such a change to our normal way of life. Um, and the first week, I think, has been a novelty. And I think, in actual fact, people have been spending their time trying to work out what it is. And now, the reality is, people need to start trying to find some sort of routine and so on. So, how's it going to affect? Um, how's it going to affect you know businesses as a whole, and how's it going to affect individuals? Um, it's going to be profound. 
point. Let's be honest. This is this is you know going to be genuinely uh, life changing, mm. in the fact that many businesses won't come out the other side of this. Many people, um, you know, they're, they're just not going to make it. And I appreciate the government are doing as much as they possibly can. But you know, and and they, and let's be honest. You know, it doesn't matter which political side of the divide you sit on, and so on. Um, you know, they, they, what they've delivered in in terms of what uh, on the front of it seems to be, you know, some very generous financial packages to get through for individuals to get through but businesses are going to they're not making profit during this time so it is going to be a different set of businesses we come back um potentially you could look at it as you know as a bit of an equalizer uh, and you know maybe a lot of the poor businesses that were poorly run in the first place are probably gonna you know they're not going to come th- come out the other side of it and that's better for those businesses that were well run uh, and so on how we go about marketing our businesses and, and developing it this is what i come back to i hope that people take the opportunity to actually to use this as an opportunity to to reflect and actually work out where we're going to be going. What is the world going to look like on the other side of this? Um, and, uh, you know, it is going to be absolutely... We, we just don't know, you know, and I, I still go back to what I said earlier. I think we've been forced into that technology ramp. I think people have been forced to come out of their comfort zone and, and I think they're being forced to rethink things. And I think that's the way it's uh, ultimately going to come out. And so... At the end of this year, I think we're still going to be feeling the economic effects of it. I still think business is going to be slow. I think people are going to be um, uh, probably quite enthusiastic at first. We don't think the idea, you know, of getting back to work. I think it's something that, in a good way, people are going to want to start getting back to work. I hope people actually start realising it doesn't have to stop unless you're furloughed, unless you're not legally not allowed to do any work. But those who are in a position that can should be using this as an opportunity. This is, you know, I mentioned earlier, I've seen digital agency owners talking about what having nothing to watch on Netflix. Um, now is the t- you, all those books and courses and things, all those skills <laughs> that we should, we, we, we knew we should have been learning anyway. The ones we try and cram in an hour here and a cram in an hour there, um, listening to podcasts, reading us at the books, Keeping herself abreast of the latest technologies, whether it's AI or machine learning, uh, whatever it might well be, now's the time to actually, to, you know, to, to start thinking about. Uh, you've got a bit of time on your hands. Now's the time to. And I'm hoping, and I believe that the ones that do take that time to actually see this as, I don't want to use the word opportunity, but I think you know because it's, uh, but it's, it, you, we're now being put in that position where we have got a little bit more time. Um, I think you, they do need to now look at those different things. Look at you, the time to reflect. Look at the, you know. What's your strategy going to be? What are you? How are you? How's your business going to look like when you come out the other side? Um, s- spend some time, communicate with the, you know the, the, the right people within the organisation. Start working on that now, you know. And then if you still get, if there's still more time, that's when you upscale. You know, start looking at the things that are going to make a difference because it's those that are going to come out the other side of this. And when we look at this this time next year, when you're hoping that it's air quotes business as usual um mm. what's business going to look like at that particular time what it is going to be yeah that's it what is it? i don't know what is it going to look like it's going to be it's going to be fascinating it's really interesting i am um, do you think the time for generalists is now upon us you know we've talked about this haven't we that those those businesses those consultants those individuals those agencies that have a the ability to look across the whole piece and go okay these are these are the pieces you need to put into your jigsaw jigsaw i'll help i'll help you put them together but where you need specialists these are the specialists you need rather than the other way around what i've what i've seen up to now has been a specialist goes in 
and stretches themselves too far, which inevitably ends up with, with, with problems further ahead. Whereas maybe generalists are now coming, coming to the fore and saying, look, this is where we are as a whole. These are the gaps we need to fill. What, what, what are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the generalist specialist argument in the current climate or the future climate rather? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what I, th- I think it's going to be is um, I think a lot of um, if we're looking from a digital agency perspective, majority mm. of them have been very uh, tactic driven, um, whether it's PPC, um, you know, whether it's SEO, whether it's web design, whatever it might well be. Uh, and they've been very much you know, sort of tactic driven. And in actual fact, now's the time and what, and what in the future needs to be. It just becomes more about digital as a whole as opposed to digital marketing. Um, and I think that's where potentially they need to sort of reshape themselves as a slightly is it now needs to be a little bit more focused around business as a whole. The marketeer has changed dramatically and we've talked about it a number of times, you know, you know, only sort of 10, 15 years ago, a marketeer was someone who was good with glitters and crayons um, and turned up to sort of physical events and so on. And now yeah, technology, yeah. Uh, technology is now at the forefront of, of, of digital marketing. And now it's that combination of, uh, of, that, of those business skills that need to come into it in actual fact start looking at uh, how a company um, delivers value as a whole which actually becomes a lot more um, a lot more strategic a lot more actually understanding and looking at the business and how it delivers that value as opposed to the tactic that's going to get them in front of a customer I think there's a, a wider conversation that needs to happen and so you, you use the word generalist and it, it, it could be and that's what we, we know I think you're right in terms of with the specialists a lot of them that have come about in the last sort of five six seven years have come about as a result of being technology driven marketeers so they're good with the technology they're good they understand that side of technology and they might be missing some fundamental marketing skills and business skills um uh, and i think that's where you saw that we use the word generalist i think it might come into its own a little bit more where marketing actually is uh, marketing is something that should be sitting as a horizontal across all sec you know verticals in the company every department needs to be impacted in it and having conversations with marketing i think it might then just turn into the word I don't know. Digital is the way I think of it. I think of digital actually more as a business function as opposed to just being put in that marketing column um, and whether that's outsourced or whether it's internal or so on. I think now digital as a whole actually is going to impact all of business. And I don't think that's not actually just technology. That's that's all of these disciplines. So like you say, generalists coming together and actually now delivering business value to get people to look at what their you know their operating model is what is your what is your business model actually look like and how does that deliver value and is that still is that still relevant today because the world has just shifted on so in actual fact do businesses now need to now have a look at doing the same themselves so let's end with a word that i'm going to hold my hands up i can't stand this word um but, but you, you used it and you make it you you make it sound much better than me Businesses pivoting at the moment. There's 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 a lot of that. There's a lot of that yeah. I'm seeing. But is it really? Are they really pivoting, or are they just delivering the pivot? To me, is is as has always been. Okay, that service isn't working. We're going to try something else. Have I misunderstood that? Is 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 pivoting delivering the same service a different way, or what's your based on what you've just talked about? about mm. understanding the, the breadth and, and kind of looking at different opportunities. Let, let's send by think looking at looking at do businesses need to pivot um, aggressively and what, what actually does that mean from, from your perspective? 
I think pivot's probably the wrong word. And uh, mm. pivot comes very much from the startup community. Um, uh, and it was the idea that um, a, a particular product that they, um, whether it be a SaaS service or a physical, whatever it is, but that particular product uh, might need to be um, change the target market. Actually, it ends up serving a different purpose or serving a different market. Uh, and so you'd often find um, it came alongside a long time where we talk about agile a lot uh, a lot of the time. That ability for a company to, if, if necessary, to say, hey, in actual fact, we're, mar- we're working over in this sector, not what we're expected. Let's pivot the way our company is now positioned. Now let's focus ourselves on using this tool, this service, this product to deliver that value over there in this particular industry. Um, and I think, and it makes sense in that context. I don't think the businesses need to be looking to pivot. Um, I think in actual fact, they, this is more a case of just looking at the way, um, and this is something they probably need to be doing anyway, before all of this. What I believe is that was many, many businesses that were being run and owned by baby boomers. Um, uh, and or, or maybe uh, the, the next generation down, where they'd always done things in a particular way. But you know, if you'd worked your way up in an organisation and you'd done things one way, what happened, uh, rightly or wrongly, and whether people think it's fair or not, the world did change. So technology did come in, uh, and uh, and the way business got done did, you know, was very much changed. We're still in that purgatory. We're still in that stage now, where there's still many businesses doing things the way they were doing them 10, 15 years ago. They really haven't changed the way they, you know, what they deliver and how they deliver. Uh, and we've been going through, particularly the last sort of couple of years, and possibly still the next year or two, where they've still just they they try changing marketing agencies. They try changing you know different technologies and so on trying to find a way um to you know change sales people change account managers trying to deliver the same value in the same way they always did what i think people now need to potentially be doing is actually looking at what your value proposition is as a whole and asking yourself the question is that still viable today? Does your value proposition still work today in today's new environment? Particularly, you know, this post-pandemic phase that we're going to be going into, um, where people are going to be a little bit more, you know, there's going to be less money is going to be around. People are going to be looking to stretch budgets further and potentially utilise technology more and less people more. Um, and it's been a big, heavily debated topic for a long time. You know, the way we're heading is going to be less people, you know, and probably higher skilled people, you know, and that holds, holds up a whole different conversation as a whole about what does that mean for society um, if we're requiring less humans to deliver the same value. But back to sort of that the original question, original point, I don't think it's pivot. I think they need to look at their value proposition and actually ask themselves the question, you know, you know, what is it that we're actually delivering? Uh, is that still the right way? Or is that still the right product, the right service to the right audience? Uh, and just question it. And now maybe it's the time to, to spend that time to work out. Is there a new way of, you know, you've got, if you've got a bunch of customers, maybe there's something else you need to be delivering in the short term. Sorry, long term, sorry. Well, short and long term. Um, thank you, mate. That was excellent. Do you know, we've been talking for over an hour. Um, Crazy. Cool. Crazy. We, didn't even, we didn't even talk about sport because there is no sport going on. <laughs> <laughs> and in many ways, uh, based on the football team, we both like Thank God for that at the moment. Um, so um, thank you so much for your time. That has been my pleasure. really useful, e- even including my uh, my um, error halfway through with ending the first, first episode and rolling it on to the <laughs> second. But it just gave us a little bit more time to talk, I think. Um, no problem. So, Dave, thanks, thanks very much. Um, uh, the name of your book again, just so people can, because we talked about it in the first half, and, and the name of your book again, just in case people want to access it. 
Yeah, it's called Evolve or Become Obsolete. Evolve or Become Obsolete. So that's on Amazon and all good. All good online bookstores, right? Or is it just on Amazon? Uh, just on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get it in Waterstones and all that. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe a revised version. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, Dave. Maybe after this, there's going to be... Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of books written after this. Like you said, you raised a really good point, right? This is going to be in the schools. This is going to be in the school curriculum in 10, 20, 30, 40 years' time, isn't it? And um, Absolutely. Every subject, history, economics, maths, you know. Anyway, Dave, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and um, speak my, to you soon. Thanks, mate. My pleasure. Speak soon. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, so I uh, hope you enjoyed... Um, well, I hope you enjoyed Dave's knowledge and I hope my nonsense um, didn't get in the way of your, your enjoyment too much. Um, I, uh, I thank Dave deeply for his um, ongoing um, conversations that we have and his input and his advice and his, his, um, his intellect really. It really does challenge me and tries to keep me, keep me, keep me pushing on with some of my stupid ideas. Um, so you can find out about Dave using this amazing tool called Google. Um, just Dave, David Shaw, just type it in there and you'll, you'll see his, his books and his website and some of his thinking as well. Thanks again, Dave. Um, so um, just a little bit about what other nonsense I've got coming up soon. Um, I'm going to have a small podcast coming up over the next few months. Um, I will send them out as infrequently as I normally do. Um, same as the newsletter, that will come out as infrequently as normal. I try just to put stuff out when there's something I think you might find interesting rather than adding to the, the never-ending noise at the moment of this is how you work from home and which I didn't realise so many people needed so much advice on how to work from home but anyway um, yes so um, so these will be uh, infrequent but totally useful along with the newsletter um, I finally set up my project consultancy research um, kind of strand which is firesmoke.co you can find some information on there about some recent talks I've, I've given and discussions I've had on humane tech and invisible interfaces and digital doubles and, and lots of other ramblings as well as as well as my own website um, so I'm going to stop talking now um, I, I really wish you all the very best very best of health and um, to you and your loved ones and I really hope to see see you all soon one way or another okay take care of yourselves